0: Welcome in to the Locked on Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. If you enjoyed our interview earlier this week with PD Webb, congratulations. You're getting the rest of it. Alex, we, we covered everything Emmanuel quickly in the last episode. What do we have on the docket today with PD?
1: Well, in this one, we go a little more general. We ask him about who some of his favorite players have been this year uh, that were taken outside of the top 10, and we ruled out quickly we ruled out a couple other obvious answers: uh, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Devin Vassell, and perhaps another. But we we kind of narrowed the field a little bit and made him choose from that general uh, grouping of players, just you know, to get his impression of guys that he's enjoyed watching in the league now that they're there, and uh, you know, after the a very lengthy pre-draft process. And then, speaking of pre-draft processes, we get his thoughts on who. He thinks would be the best fit for the Knicks in a vacuum, in the 2021 draft, which we sort of caveated with, in their realistic range, like it, not Cape Cunningham, not you know the the very top guys, but guys that are you know in the realistic, 10 to 15 pick range. Uh, who does he think would be the best fit on the Knicks? The answer might surprise you, might not. Actually, kind of overlapped a little bit with the previous guest we've had, so maybe there's a common thread emerging here. But we'll get into all that next on Locked On Knicks.
2: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks
1: podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. He without a five, going for
1: the rim. Nothing, puck left. Now fires a three. And he's good. And he's
2: out.
0: Becomes you infectious. infectious. You are locked on Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times, reduced to a meager podcaster in these apo- in this apocalyptic age, and I'm joined, as always, by my great partner in crime, Alex Wolf, the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the best Knicks website on the internet. And we are about to be joined, and joined for the second time this week, by the great pdweb at above the break three it's the number not the not the word spelled out on twitter uh one of i i I always we we have so many favorite draft guys we we have spencer we have prez we have jake uh pd though he he, like what he does is is a little bit unique i I highly highly recommend everyone to to go throw him a couple dollars on patreon because this dude is doing in-depth multifaceted holistic breakdowns in a way no one else on the internet is And, and if my suspicions are correct in a way that a lot of NBA teams aren't. This guy really, really, really knows his stuff. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Every single time he comes on, I certainly learned something. So without further ado, here we go with PD Webb. All
1: right. To move on to sort of the main event here, I'm sure this is, when people see this in the description, they're probably going to be like, oh, come on, when are you getting to it? Uh, the, we get to the redraft question, which is always everybody's everybody's favorite. revisionist history. There's nothing like it. Uh, It's the the gift that keeps on giving. So now almost halfway through, probably by the time this pod comes out, we'll probably be almost exactly the halfway point of the season, at least for the Knicks. Um, I I had this written out as two separate things. They might honestly be the exact same thing, but if you're the Knicks, where do you think Emmanuel Quickly would rank out on your big board in present day? knowing everything we know about all the guys that were drafted. And and I guess this probably might be the same answer because the Knicks more than likely should have just been going best player available regardless. But where do you think quickly would rank out currently if you were to redraft the 2020 draft class?
2: Okay. So the second question is extremely tough. Um, And I struggle with big boards because, uh, I struggle with general big boards because it's very difficult to see inside what teams are actually looking for and what they're, you know, if ownership has a win now, you know, idea, then certain players are more valuable than others. And it can be extremely difficult to the point that I like, I don't find them to be particularly valuable as an exercise. For a Nick specific one, so I I mapped this out and I had uh, 10 players that I would say would probably be better, and then like five or six maybe's, depending on uh, you know, various other things. So I'd say anywhere from uh, Eleven to fifteen in a big board reject for next purposes.
0: Interesting. Who can you tell us the the ten guys who were ahead of him?
2: Yeah, I had Ant Mello, Pat, Okoro, Killian, uh, Halley, Vassell, uh, Kyra, Poku, and Bane.
0: Hmm. Oh wow! I'm kind of I mean, obviously, Killian, I mean Killian. We I think. I I think that's what's so interesting about uh, fans and then maybe, maybe me and Alex are like in the middle of this tier. And then you go to like draft evaluators who are so much better at like, and maybe not universally, but in general at like maintaining a long-term outlook on this kind of stuff. And for me, like, I'll see like 25 games of quickly and, and just be ready to say like, Oh my, like there are not, there are not like 10 rookies in this class better than this guy. And then I think, far smarter people who like have a bigger picture and have been burned by that kind of thinking before. Like, you know what, let's just, I have had this evaluation of someone like Killian Hayes for based on whatever, four years of his basketball life, I'm not going to abandon that based on him playing eight games in like a far from ideal system, but it, it, it is, it, it's interesting to me that you have him ahead of IQ and, and most of those other guys, I think I, I, I would agree. There's, there's a pretty strong case for just in their, their two way ceiling being higher. But it's a it's a fascinating argument whether or not you would I, I, I just I, I think the case I've made when I've, I've argued for him to be higher on those kind of lists is just that his his shooting capacity, like potentially just gives him a higher offensive ceiling than some of the guys on that list. But maybe he doesn't quite have the floor of those guys. I don't know. What, what was your what was your rationale for having him there?
2: So I was trying to think uh, about team building flexibility with the main thing. Um, so like in my maybes, I have somebody like Wiseman where it's like, is Wiseman, does Wiseman have like the highest ceiling outcome? Yes. But is that a the best use of assets? Uh, like, would that make the product on the floor and thus the development of the players who are in this circumstance uh, of a team that, you know, is in the rebuilding process? Like, is that worth it? And does it make sense? So like somebody like that doesn't really agree with this side of thinking. So I set it aside. Um, I also tried to just have an idea towards like the future. So like Killian had about as bad of a circumstance as you can have uh for his first 10 games, and then you know suffers a, a terrible injury, but that doesn't change the idea of him really. Um somebody like Halley, who's played really, really well, but is also in a great circumstance. Like he's in the perfect place for him. Um, and then players like, you know, Poku, where it's like he didn't get a free throw in like two hundred and fifty NBA minutes and then just got his first free throws like two days ago in the G League. He, he caught a pass out of bounds before he got a free throw. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, he caught a pass out of bounds. He threw, like, 17 behind-the-back passes. Um, <laughs> he did, He did like, I would say, like, 50 insane things, both good and bad, before he got a single free throw. But he's still a player that the makes sense in terms of, like, what you would put on the floor and makes sense in terms of long-term upside and, you know, using uniqueness as a proxy for potential star ability. Those aren't slights on quickly. Like, those, this is a player who... If you're again redrafting is a, is a early is a is a tough concept, but you've already jumped a whole bunch of guys who would go in the top ten, go in the top fifteen, and to like being right right now is a really dangerous thing. Like if you find the perfect order, it could be wrong. You know when a trade is made and it bumps you know a rookie from the second unit to the first unit, and suddenly you know they make more sense and they they get the exposure that they need to and and develop the right way. Um, but like this is to say that if you're having these conversations, something has gone right. Um, also like Obi wasn't on that list.
0: I, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't want to talk about that. But. <laughs> yeah,
1: just, you know, just, I didn't want to pile it. on cuz I kind of like have gathered your opinion on Obi <laughs> to a degree, but I was going to say if you were going to ballpark it, where do you think you would put him on the list? Uh he wouldn't be in the maybes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so probably like outside of 20s, 5.
2: Uh, uh, I, I think 20 is a, is a, is a place I would be right now. Um, yeah, I've been that. waiting. I've been waiting to pay a whole bunch of attention. Uh, he's, he's not in this group of, of rookies. Um, like obviously watching the game you see things, but um, I also wanted to see him with a different role and to like with Mitch being out uh, for a while, I was like, we're going to give him, he's going to get all these minutes and then I can come to a, you know, give him time to adjust, which I mean, again, is a little bit uh, unfair for an older guy to be given you know time to adjust. And I, created Poku really early and Poku was the youngest player in the NBA. Um but I just wanted to give him as much time as possible to try to stabilize. Um yeah there's some there's some issues, y'all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it, I, I will say once you get into his uh get into his film from the more recent games, he is definitely starting to show it the the curve is going up a little bit because it was it was looking pretty rough for a while. They're finally not just treating him like bouncy Steve Novak. Um, and seem to be giving him some more opportunities to cut to the basket and guys to actually look for him and stuff. So I think you'll, I think when you watch the more recent film, you'll be, you'll be, uh, a little more encouraged about Obi. hopefully.
0: All right, guys, it's that time. Our ultra player of the week. I'm going a little outside the box on this one because I feel like we could we could theoretically pick Julius Randle each and every week. And for the Pistons game alone, he deserves it. He, he is slowly but surely mastering the game of basketball, at least against the worst teams in the league. But I'm going with someone else, our, our foreign-born son, Frank Nilekina, uh, a longtime favorite of mine and Alex's. Uh, And he had been out of the rotation for a very long time. We thought that was very unfair. We were hoping for him to get a chance. Uh, I compared it to uh, Thor, the the Norse uh, Marvel superhero landing in Wakanda in the movie Avengers Infinity War when he checked in. That's how happy it made me. And then Frank proceeded to live up to the hype. He led a big run against the Sacramento Kings to ensure that the Knicks uh, turn that game into a laugher. And, and then he capped off um, a thrilling week with, with an excellent performance against the Sac- or against the San Antonio Spurs, proving his three-point shot is for real, going three for three from behind the arc and scoring a highly efficient 15 points on five of seven, shooting from the field. Nikola Ultra likes to say, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. I certainly enjoyed every single part of this Frank game. And I think he, he's not overtly exuberant on the court, but you get the subtle smiles. You could you see the excitement, like once he got in a role and started hitting shots, they say joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And for Frank, his combination of defense and three-point shooting is the whole game for the Knicks. He's he's creating a future out of thin air on a team that didn't look like it would be employing him next season. The, the core point is, at the end of the day, are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? This week, for Frank, it was both. The Knicks were winning, and he made a lot of Knicks fans very, very happy. And then, of course, we have another one of our favorites Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. I- I'm super excited, Alex. Temptation Island is back in the mix. The premise of the show is, is essentially that couples go to an island and they they get tempted by singles and uh, maybe maybe something BetOnline Online could do. I'm just throwing a suggestion out there. Maybe they even already yeah. have this. Um, I'd like to be able to bet on which couples can break up. It feels harsh, feels a little inhumane, but that's the world of reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code On. That's one word, Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, I know that, that was a lot of ads. We'll be back with PD in just a sec. But first, we wanted to remind you, today on the Locked On Today podcast, oh, wait, that's, sorry, that's for, um, I should have done that earlier. Um, three, two, one. All right, guys, we'll be back with PD in just a sec. But first, I want to remind you, recovering everything you need to know about the Knicks, what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts.
1: Um, But that brings me sort of to the next part that we wanted to do here. And I'll I'll throw two caveats on this because I feel like there's probably two obvious answers. Uh, So the question is, what rookie taken outside of the top 10 have you enjoyed the most? This year, I'm going to personally rule out quickly because we've already talked about him enough and Tyrese Halliburton because I, I think that that's, I mean, he's a just like quickly, he's a surprise or maybe sort of surprise rookie of the year contender. Um, obviously, he's been outplaying his draft slot by a pretty good degree. So outside of those two, What's who's a guy that was taken outside of the top 10. That's really uh, impressed you this year and sort of piqued your interest more so than before.
0: I feel like I maybe Uh, should have, uh, I should have said lottery because I, I, Think it's gonna be Vassell, but I'm, uh, w- w- am I am I right? Peter? Oh yeah, Vassell yeah.
1: was outside the top ten too. Yeah, yeah, yeah never I, mind. I, Take I, out Vassell. I, yeah,
0: I wrote, I wrote that question. And I was like, I know. Wait, I know what he's gonna say. I should say lie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it was gonna be Vassell. I mean, I was a person who thought that Vassell was the Vassell and Patrick Williams were the two people who should be considered for the number one pick for the Timberwolves specifically, um, given the direction that they needed that franchise to go. Not that Anthony Edwards doesn't have an insane ceiling, but um, you know, Cap made it clear that he wanted to make the playoffs this year. And I didn't really see a way that Delo and, and Ant made sense for that purpose. Um, it's obviously, we can't know that for certain because of the injuries and and uh, how hard that franchise has been hit with COVID. Um, but yeah, Vassell would have been my choice. If I have to pick somebody outside Sorry. the lottery, <laughs> I will go. I will go with, I will settle slightly down and talk about somebody else that I wrote about this time. Uh, Desmond Bain is extremely good at basketball. Cool. Yeah. Uh, he is shooting like forty-eight percent from three. Uh, he's also shooting like forty-eight percent from the field, um, and I have not heard the reason why he dropped. I don't. I maybe a whole bunch of GMs forgot that he was on the board, or um, you know, John Morant put out word that he was like a supervillain in his free time or something. Uh, because the idea that a uh, the best shooter in the NBA currently, who, who can also pass really well and is strong enough to bump boogie off spots, uh, wouldn't help a any of the teams in the teens or twenties. Um, is a thing that I struggle with every single day. Uh, there's the joke that the, the Memphis Grizzlies are run by Draft Twitter, but like, man, I don't know. I don't know how hard it is to to dodge those jokes at this point because they they t- put, took two of my favorite players in this draft and both of them have turned out really well.
0: I, I was gonna say it really. I mean, I would say Bane, and I mean Tillman to a slightly lesser degree. Were, we're kind of the ultimate wins for Draft Twitter over the establishment. Where I, I know, I know you were on that bandwagon. I know Spencer Perlman, like big time, was on on the Bane bandwagon, and, and and it was just kind of a situation. Like as as I was watching the pictures, we had you guys on the pod, and you guys are the people we've access to. I'm like, what what are we doing here? Like, were they missing something? Was I missing something? Because just from the description I got of him, I I was thinking sort of the same thing. Like this is this is a plug and play type of guy the contender and like the celtics like i mean who knows maybe it works out but like taking naismith over him and then selling the pick when he just seemed like like opportune to plug in to like like him smart brown tatum together just seems insane on paper anyways we I mean, maybe a conversation for another day but oh no i, yeah. I would very much like oh yeah, yeah sure go,
2: go i would it. very <laughs> much like to have um so aaron naismith rose in the draft because he didn't play a whole bunch of games uh he turned into uh statistically the largest growth of any player I've ever seen like a good shooter uh, from their rookie to their, or their freshman to their sophomore year in college. Um, and then he got her right for the good, like playing against the good team started uh, Desmond Bain had four years of like well over 40% shooting. Uh, I calculated his four years of college plus his current NBA. And that's 44.4% from three over that five year sample. Um, and because like Aaron E Smith shot like 55% from three over 12 games, in a very specific way, against a low level of competition, uh, there were a lot of people who were like this is a better shooter. Um, it does not appear that way so far, and I don't think it will appear that way at any point during the NBA
0: careers. What do you? Th- what is the front office thinking though when they're making these? I mean, it seems like obvious that that's like sample size theater to some extent, and I, I get I get that he was he was younger and like I know he's he's a little bit taller than than Bane is, but. It just, like, it, it mystifies me how those kind of mistakes get made, and you wonder if it's just, like, one one voice in the room, like, ultimately has all the power and is wrong. But, like, for a team, like and I, I'm kind of, like, scapegoating the Celtics when a, when a bunch of teams passed on him. But what do you think goes wrong in a process there? Or, or I mean, you could just as easily, like, you know, like if, if I sound like a homer talking about the Celtics, you could say the same thing about the Knicks with Obi when, I mean, clearly, like, the Knicks didn't expect Julius Randle to make this kind of leap. And maybe maybe they were even thinking they were going to end up trading him before the season. And that's, I mean, I, I have the same opinion, so I I can't critique that in any significant way, but there are just these picks that you look at. And and again, you, you listen to like people like you and like Spencer, who like, who like watch a ton of film and like, obviously like know what you're talking about at a really high level, but like aren't working for NBA teams. And like to you guys, like it, and, and you're making like these clear, concise, smart points. And like, it just seems so clear. And then you see teams where, I mean, they put millions and millions and millions of dollars into this stuff and they just get it so wrong and obviously scouting is an incredibly inexact science but it seems like there are picks that are made that just are are indefensible from the moment and then look worse and worse and worse over time so again that that's a that's a large question probably a podcast unto itself but but what do you think of all that
2: so there's a thing that happens where teams feel more comfortable selecting the guy who looks like other guys um i think about this a lot you know i was watching the the two kings uh Uh, the two kings mixed games before we got on and three different times uh clyde noted that tyler reese halliburton's jumper looks strange and like had to be reminded of what the numbers were because he was like man that's a funky looking jumper because it's you don't want to pick the guy who's bad and looks bad like if you pick the guy with the weird looking jumper or with short arms or you know the undersized guy and they're bad you look like a crazy person and i think more often Tie goes to the person who looks like what has historically been successful, and teams are simply less willing to take risks on things that look weird. Um, so, like, you have guys like Poku who like look like nothing you've really ever seen before. But when has the next like not to put this label on Poku, but like often the things that are the next revolution in the NBA don't look like the thing that we've seen before. Like nothing looked like Steph really like Steph. You can you know go back and say in the nineties. We have the Cavaliers teams that shoot, you know. We have Nash, even though it doesn't take enough threes. Like we have these things, but it didn't quite look like stuff. And there is a idea that conformity and success look like things that have done previously. But if you look at NBA draft history, there's a whole bunch of guys who have like plus eight wingspans who couldn't hoop at all. Guys who you know have a beautiful looking jumper, but they can't actually shoot. Um, and I think with a lot of uh, guys like Bain, who drop, guys like Tillman who drop, it's what what the the film nerds are talking about is like, this dude can play basketball really, really well. He may not have the star side outcome of, you know, the other guys who have a plus eight wingspan or are seven foot two, like the men of the world. They don't look like that in warmups. But if you put them in a game that matters, they're going to produce. And finding guys who you don't ask them to do too much, you you just ask them to do the things they're good at, even if it looks weird, you put them in the right circumstance, that will turn out well. If Tyrese Halliburton had gone to a circumstance where like he was asked to do, like the stuff that Anthony Edwards is at, being asked to do right now, it would have not have gone as well because it's not tailored to him. And the teams that select him often do select guys who are a little bit more unique, build situations to match their uniqueness so that they know that they won't fail. So that investment in the weirdness, that investment to make the weirdness make sense has a huge a result where not investing and just taking a guy who looks like other guys um, who looks, you know, he, he's a long wing, wing long wing winged, long-limbed wing (laughs) that was a tough one yeah no it was challenging um doesn't require any adjustment you don't have to spend organizational capital making him make sense you just plug him if he doesn't play you drop and no one's ever going to be like wow i can't believe you gambled on the guy with the plus 10 wingspan but if you gamble on the guy who uh is you know uh built like an oil drum with kind of a weird looking jumper um with short arms like people are going to ask you questions but if he pans out then you look like a genius
0: I That's mean, a long we winded answer. We, we, even, we even saw that with Lamello a little bit, right? I mean, nominally, like, 6-7 point card is prototypical, but with how weird his jumper was, and, I mean, people rightfully were questioning it, and it's translated, like, incredibly well.
2: Yeah, uh, I think with Lamello, people... Uh, I mean, this is one of the players I talked about, and there's a lot to be said about his uh, draft process and um, the tone in which it was discussed, but the most important thing is, though, like, to bu- to do draft analysis or to do... Uh, any sort of thinking about young basketball players, you need to have an idea of what develops and what doesn't, what can be taught, um, what develops faster, what is contextual and what's not. And so often, we look at players, we declare what they are and what they will be for eternity, um, and that's just not the history of of the game. Um, so many people have developed in fun, unexpected ways, and, and skills have developed. And with Lamelo, so much of it was like, oh, this guy, you know, played in a high school system that gave him a whole bunch of reps. That's bad, And so he's going to be bad forever. Um, as the Phoenix Suns found out about two days ago, that's not how life works. Um, and he looks to be a different player than what the you know, general idea of him was in, I would say, the mainstream media.
1: All right, we'll be right back with PD. Just have to remind everybody, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. You know, with the ever-increasing... Number of makes and models of car. It is impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. On top of it, you go in there, and you know they don't have the parts you need. And then they also charge you an arm and a leg. It takes a few days to ship it to the store, and they ask you a bunch of probing questions you don't know the answer to. Just on all on, all, not a great experience going to a brick and mortar auto parts store. Oftentimes, it's even sort of a stressful experience, you know, at least for me. I'm, I'm not much of a uh, a socialite sometimes, despite, you know, you might be like, that's crap. You're a podcast host. But this is in the comfort of my own home. When I go out and I got to shop for stuff and I don't really know what I'm talking about, it can be kind of stressful for me. So that's why I prefer the comfort of my own home when I'm ordering my auto parts for my fun little auto repairs on my Forester. I love my Subaru Forester. Uh, great in the snow lately, by the way. But uh, this isn't a Subaru ad. This is a rockauto.com ad because I love going to rockauto.com for all my parts for my Subaru. You know, they have a bunch of different options. If you go to get any given part, they are all the lowest possible price and they ship them right to my door so that I don't have to deal with that whole go to the store, tell the, you know, they tell you that they're going to order it and that it'll be there in a few days. You have to come back to the store to pick it up and then go through all that hassle. Instead, I just kind of plan ahead by like a week and I say, okay, I'm going to do this job by next week on my car. I can go on rockauto.com, use their super easy to navigate window uh, system to get through you know, to my car and get to the parts available for my 09 Subaru Forester and then get it shipped right to my door and not have to, quite frankly, talk to a single person or deal with any questions that I don't feel like answering. So if you're interested and checking out what parts are available for your car, head to rockauto.com right now and give it a look. You'll probably find something that you need and maybe even find something that you didn't necessarily think you needed, but you decide to pick up anyway, just for fun. Uh, and if you decide to pick up a part through rockauto.com, make sure you're right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, and we're back. We're going to be right back in with PD Webb talking 2021 draft. But if you get done with this podcast and you say, man, I can't get enough 2021 NBA draft coverage, I'm excited that the Knicks are going to have two picks in probably the top 20. Uh, Well, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, those are the top guys, but there are plenty of other guys in the Knicks range. How much do you really know about all of them? Uh, Probably not a lot. And if you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts and full coverage of March Madness 4 days a week from credential draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. And now for more 2021 NBA Draft coverage, we continue with PD Web. So, to move to our our final thing here, another thing that people probably are are eager to hear about um We're going to rule out someone again because there's an obvious answer to this question. So no Cade Cunningham allowed because he's a good fit on any team uh, and every NBA team should be salivating at the opportunity to potentially add him. But short of Cade, who is the one guy that if you could pick out of this, this upcoming draft class, the 2021 class, and put them on the Knicks, who do you think would be that to, to sort of uh, <laughs> seamlessly transition this from our, you know, the last topic there, who would be that Halliburton on the Kings esque fit uh, on the Knicks that, you know, would be just sort of the perfect position for a guy from the 2021 class to succeed.
2: Okay. Um, I have my answer. What is the biggest problem with the Knicks? Currently,
1: shooting. <laughs> shooting.
0: Okay. We got Consistent. shooting.
1: Consistent. Consistent.
2: it's it's a universal agreement on shooting. I would would
0: say, I would say like, I mean, this is like a catch all and it's, it's cheating, but creation like they, they need, they need another guy who can do that.
2: Okay. So I have a guy who will solve one of those problems. He gets two feet in the paint, basically every possession. And he's a very, very, very good passer. Uh, One Sharif Cooper from Auburn.
0: Oh, that's, that was the same answer that uh, Jake gave us when he was on.
2: Yeah, uh, Sharif comes with his problems. I mean, he's a smaller point guard who has a uh, developmental jumper. Um, He's sniffing six foot. He's not particularly big. But uh, nobody in college can stay in front of him even a little bit, like at all. And when I watch the next, the the biggest issue that I come with is if Julius Randle, like we'll say if not all of this with Julius Randle is real or like there's some regression um, in his general play, who is the person you trust most to? Force the rotation, get two feet in the paint and get a defense
1: moving. Uh probably probably R
0: I mean quickly or RJ.
1: RJ or quickly would be my answer, probably too. I'd yeah, I'd,
0: yeah and you'd lean I'd lean RJ or, slightly. Or I guess
1: Derek Rose to a degree. Yeah, yeah, maybe
0: Rose now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now with Rose in the fold. Uh, I mean I, I don't necessarily trust him to always do the right thing with it either, but Alfred Payton is pretty decent at getting into the paint. But how much of that is due to the fact that nobody respects him Outside the three-point line, <laughs> uh I, that I, I don't know. And you know, sometimes he's running into a packed paint and makes the wrong decision. But anyway, PD, I'll let you, I'll let you continue there as far as ranking Sharif. Uh, I guess versus Elf Rose,
2: are yeah, quickly?
1: The, the, he would
2: be far and away the best, like yeah. by a huge amount. And I think that with the Knicks, you're, you're you have a situation that protects him from a lot of his issues. Um, you wouldn't be asking him to, to play a huge defensive role. Um, the shooting, I, I tend to believe that shooting is the easiest developable, developable skill uh, among the broad skills in the NBA. Um, so we're talking about a high field point guard, uh, a quote, New York City style point guard who can just get to the room whenever he pleases. Huge foul rate, um, is willing to shoot, which to me is a bigger step than actually making shots in college. Um, a lot of guys who know their jumper is broken, you have a different battle to fight it's not just teaching them to shoot. It's teaching them to, to trust themselves to shoot and often not taking jumpers. is like one of the things I uh, have come to just like fear in draft prospects. Um, ultra smart passer, um, is one of those dudes who can manipulate a whole defense with his eyes, uh, hangs in the air for seemingly forever and has one of the weirdest, uh, like finishing packages that you'll ever see just because like, there's just angles he creates where you're like, how are you this small and able to find this window against a 611 seven foot dude? Um, He's a winner at every level. He was on the Isaac Coro high school team that didn't lose a game for, you know, uh, like 20 months, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, stepped into, uh, stepped into a, a pretty difficult situation at Auburn where he was suspended by the NCAA uh, over uh, baseless allegations. Um, and he has immediately produced. Uh, if you want to watch him shoot 20 free throws in a game, I recommend the Missouri game. Uh, where just no one can stay in front of him um it's it is a to me a match of you have a a, a good developmental program you have the the wing help around him especially you know if if this randall performance continues and uh, you can secure him into this lineup you can suddenly get a lot of uh creation on the court and leverage guys like rj and quickly and randall into not necessarily needing them to create rotations you can have rotation rotations made for them. It makes their lives easier, especially uh, Randall and RJ. If you can get them against an onset defense, they can power their way to the rim. Um, and the the lob passes with Mitch would be great. I think this is the easiest and most likely of the picks. Um, like, you know, guys like Cade and so it's like, they're, they're good and they, they make a lot of sense, but the Knicks may not be bad enough to uh, be in the running for that sort of circumstance.
0: He seems like someone who would who would play. And this is this is a logical way for me to end it. More Frank propaganda. He seems like someone who logically, like Frank and him, would kind of fill in each other's blanks. I'm I'm curious though, and I asked Jake the same question. He he was pretty convinced it would work. Um, how would you feel about him and quickly being out there, particularly defensively? Because offensively, I really I wouldn't have a lot of questions about, it, and I think it would be a really clean, like nice fit. But. On defense, are they just? I mean, are they destined to be like a worse version of of Damon C.J. if the Knicks are ever, uh, uh, excuse me, a ser- semi-serious contender? Or, or how do you think that would turn out?
2: No, because I think you just have quickly chased the the worst wing. Like, I don't think that you're necessarily going to have quickly guard straight up wings. You'll have him guard like off-ball threats, which he seems a little more uh, capable of doing. Um, and then he wouldn't switch as much. Like, you're you're not you're never really going to switch uh guard guard with with Mitch that often, I think. I think you're gonna switch like you know one, five, two, five for a moment and then and then triangle back. But Sharif limits something you're doing defensively. It's also like this is a type of dude that Tibbs has historically liked. It's just guys who you cannot stay in front of him. That's like his uh archetype he's always fallen in love with because they do a thing and they do it well. Um, again he kept May Robinson in the league for a long time just based on that strength. Um uh, to me, this is one of the more logical fits in the draft. Like I will, I can always pitch you Jaden Springer, who's you know a similarly fun uh, downhill guard. And there's a lot of uh, things that make sense, but I don't think there's a better fit than than the passing and creation ability of free Cooper.
1: All right. Well, PD, this has been awesome. We've taken a good amount of time with you here though. Uh, so I think we've, We've reached our logical stopping point before we dive too far into 2021, because we need to save that to bring you back another time uh, to go more in depth on the class as we very acceleratedly get towards the draft process again. (laughs) Because of the nature of how everything went this year, we now have, uh, you know, it's it's only going to be, what, seven months roughly between drafts this time, eight months. So a yeah. little, little shorter than usual than the usual one year time frame. So we'll have more time to talk about 2021. Uh, but do you want to let everybody know where to find you again? Uh, of course your Twitter, your Patreon, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. Um, you can find my terrible opinions at above the break three on Twitter. Uh, the, the letter, not the word. Um, in the description is a link to my Patreon. Um, all the work is free. Um, if you can toss me a couple of bucks, it'd, it'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, stats and video packages aren't particularly cheap, but I never want to, uh, you know, block anybody from accessing my work. Um, I have this series, Youth Summit, where I go around and review uh, the twenty twenty draft opinions that I had uh, while watching a couple of games of uh, the the players in their new context and see what was right, what was wrong, and how they've developed uh, in the interceding year. Uh, the most recent one features uh, Nick's beloved Emmanuel quickly. Um, If you're looking for 2021 coverage, I have that as well. Um, Yeah, basically a a one-stop shop for long-form draft writing. Also, Uh, plenty
1: of pics of your adorable dog, JoJo, right?
2: Yes, who is back and healthy. Yes,
1: very happy to see that. I've been keeping up with the saga.
2: So. She is, she is back putting her head under the couch for reasons I do not
0: understand. Oh, my God. That's a, that's a big, I think dog, there's like a weird, uh, this is a separate podcast, but there's like a weird tactile thing with dog. Like my dog has taken to, with the snowstorms in New York, just rubbing the side of his head into like piles of ice, which seems like it would be horrible, but he's he's very into it. Anyways, PD, we'll be sure to have you back on soon uh, every time you come on. I learn a couple of things, which I, I can't say I can't say every episode for sure. And and every time you've, you've been on, it's been it's been a great episode. So thanks again, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Thank you so much for having me.